learning, unlearning, and relearning. This kind of describes every day as a teacher. I think something is going to go one way because I have researched it and planned for it and assembled the resources to make it go. And then midstream, boom, change of plans. Learning, unlearning, and relearning. This kind of describes every day as a teacher. I think something is going to go one way because I have researched it and planned for it and assembled the resources to make it go. And then midstream, boom, change of plans. It's taking too long. It's not taking long enough. The students are unengaged, so I have to stop, assess, and reevaluate, create a new plan for what I was going to do, and then move forward, hopefully, more successfully. Students these days are struggling in this area, and it is so imperative to success in the 21st century. Typically, if I assign a task, whether it is assembling a Google Slides presentation or an interactive, competitive Kahoot review game, I'm always struck by how quickly the students ask about, how many points is this? Is this going in the grade book? Do I have to get an A on this to get an A in the class? Time and time again, I think to myself, how far our priorities have skewed in education. We are basically creating little factories of students who want to make sure that their time cards are punched at the appropriate time and that they are not docked pay when they could have maybe qualified for some overtime pay. But when the process is focused on the achievement data, which is most often standardized, we lose so much of the learning process as we go through the classroom today. Alvin Toffler wrote, the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read and write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. I can't stress this enough in the importance of my intellectual development. I went to college without a computer. I wrote my term papers on note cards that I then put into sequential order and copied them in cursive handwriting. Then, as I moved into graduate school, email became a thing. And then as I started teaching, email was absolutely the primary way to communicate to the point where most of us turned off our voicemail extensions. We preferred to communicate via email. Had you told me that in my teacher education program back in the late 90s, I probably would have hoped that that would be the outcome, but would have doubted its staying power. Everything that I have done as a teacher, I have had to learn, unlearn, and relearn. Taking attendance used to be filled out on a Scantron form that I would then have to take up to the front office. Of course, now we take it digitally and parents are alerted immediately of their child's absence. There's so much good that has come from technology. Why are we not allowing our children to experiment, take risks, and actually learn skills that are going to make them employable and even desired employee for a great opportunity in their future?
Dr. David Thornburg is envisioning the classroom one day as the holodeck of the Star Trek Enterprise, where students are truly immersed in the subject which they are studying. Now, as a music educator, I find this very interesting because this has not changed since I started teaching. When you are involved in a performance-based music class, that is precisely what you are doing. You are immersed in the process of discovering how we bring these lifeless black dots on a white piece of paper, or now in my classroom on the iPad, to life, to share that not only with each other, but with the audience. This goes to support why student engagement and why attendance is so much greater for students who are involved in those music performance classes. They are completely engaged and they understand that each and every one of them are interdependent and are critical individually to the success of the group. We would often say uh, that we are greater than the sum of our parts, or as my middle school choral director had on her bulletin board, we can do together what none of us can do alone. I think that most students thrive in that type of environment where they realize that individually they are important to the outcome of the whole. And highly functioning companies also foster that sense of ownership for each individual employee to feel like they are indeed capable of making a difference. Dr. David Thornburg posits a very interesting question in terms of how we are laying out the design of our instruction. If we can look up the answer on Google, why are we asking the question? Undoubtedly, I am not the only person who got very frustrated through middle school, high school, and even college history classes where you had to memorize an insane amount of dates. I was struck by how ineffective this was when teaching a Civil War song to my men's chorus about five years ago. Uh, the song had its roots in the Civil War, but was recorded by a group during the Vietnam War. So I thought this is a great chance to let them see the evolution of the timeline of American involvement in conflict. So I asked the students, do you know the years of the Civil War? There was no response. Okay, uh, do you know the century of the Civil War? No response again. So then I asked, was the Civil War before the World Wars? And again, no response. I said, can you tell me more about why you wouldn't have any clue about these major points on a timeline? They ended up confiding in me that most of their history class was memorizing very small details and they lacked the sense of the big picture. So again, if we can look up a small detail on Google, why are we teaching it and why are we asking the students to memorize it? Rather, could we take the information and data we get from Google to create a larger understanding of America at war in this particular case? We do this a great deal with music as when we try to teach music history, we're looking at essentially teaching 1,600 years of history. But in order to adequately get the sense of each historic 
period, we are trying to connect it to what is going on in world history, what is going on in visual art, architecture, and then, of course, in music performance. In the book, Literacy is Not Enough, the 21st Century Fluency Series, the authors speak of mastery of content being overrated at this point. They say, in this world, mastery of content is valued over thinking critically about the content. Teachers tell their students what they need to do to pass the test, to pass the course, to pass the grade, to move on to the next level, and finally, to graduate. All the answers are pre-arranged, pre-formatted, and ready for absorption by those who are willing and able to play the game called school. These are the academically successful. They are the students who are comfortable operating in a culture of dependency, dependent on the teacher, the textbook, and the test. Well, I guess that explains why most of my students are constantly caught up with how many points an assignment carries with it, rather than the enduring understanding that I wish them to possess by the end of this exploration. When we look at the industrial setup of education and how that may have worked for a post-World War II generation of factory workers, we would be so off course to continue down that direction in the 21st century, and yet here we are. It is very common for my own children to come home with their MAP achievement test scores and they know their expected growth by the next cycle. And I do my best as a parent to completely downplay the importance of those tests. I do believe that instruction can be data-driven, but do I believe that one test taken on one particular day, is going to predict how my child performs on the state assessment at the end of the year, or the ACT, or in life in general? Absolutely not. And nor would I put that upon them. Another great anecdote from literacy is not enough talks about how we respond to children as they are learning the initial skill of walking. We don't tell them after their first attempt, well, I think you got uh, probably a one out of five for stability on the rubric, so we're going to have to put you into RTI and make sure that, that you're around other kids who don't walk as well either, because that's kind of where you belong. Of course not. We immediately applaud them for putting something out there. Why? Because they're taking a risk. Which brings me to my final point about risk-taking. As educators, that really does need to be our job. Modeling it for our students by what we create in the classroom, but also allowing them to do so. Creating a classroom environment where it is okay to try something new and maybe fail because we know that that is where the growth comes from. Miss Frizzle really did have it figured out. That's why all the kids loved her. She was in Dr. David Thornburg's holodeck of education for sure with her fully immersive field trips. But she always gave her students three pieces of advice. Get messy. Take chances. Make mistakes. Because that is where the growth is. As we 
move into the 21st century more fully. I want my students to be, have, be able to demonstrate a balance between cognitive intelligence and emotional intelligence. I am, again, always surprised by students' lack of self-awareness. This obviously goes to classroom management and behavior, but even more so. I had a student just recently say to me, I realize that when I say that test was so easy, if I'm around somebody for whom that test was not easy, that's not very nice, is it? I said, wow, that's incredible self-awareness. You're actually analyzing how your behaviors are going to impact someone else. And this, again, ties it back to how the music performance class is truly the ideal classroom for students to learn these problem-solving skills, these self-awareness skills, self-management, being able to self-regulate through a difficulty rather than simply give up. We are wanting our students to be able to problem-solve, communicate, have flexibility with their creativity, and think of others as well as themselves. Emotional intelligence cannot and should not be overrated. However, can it be measured on a standardized test yet? I'm not sure that until that is possible, we will get all stakeholders involved with the emotional intelligence piece. And that will be very much to our detriment. In closing, knowing how to learn, unlearn, and relearn is simply survival at this point, not just for teachers, but for students. And in closing, I will share this one anecdote from my own child's experience with math. I'm very grateful for the concept of how they're being taught math, which is not, here's the formula, here's the standard algorithm. It is thinking about the process of how this problem is solved. But in that process, I would find myself getting frustrated because I know if you do the standard algorithm, you're going to come to the answer faster. Now, of course, you may not be able to understand why that's the answer, therefore inhibiting your ability to see your own mistakes. But as my children have now come up through this mindset of math education, I see their critical thinking skills far exceeding my own. I was great on a timed math test because I knew the standard algorithm. But in terms of conceptualizing abstract mathematical thinking later on in high school, that was very difficult for me. So I went from a straight-A math student to a student who really had to work hard for a B. And it's all about a mindset issue. I thought that there was always going to be an easy formula, an easy algorithm, and then I would find the answer. And isn't that what most of us think life is going to turn out to be? We're going to go from point A to point B to point C, happy ending. And that is obviously not the case. So instead of giving up, instead of thinking we're not good enough, I want my students to know, okay, so that destination was not for me. Guess what? There's 20 other paths over here that I can take. 
All I have to know is how to solve problems, communicate well, and be confident in my risk-taking thinking. I hope that you all have enjoyed my humble thoughts on how we can better equip our students for success in the 21st century. Thank you. Learning, unlearning, and relearning. This kind of describes every day as a teacher. I think something is going to go one way because I have researched it and planned for it and assembled the resources to make it go. And then midstream, boom, change of plans. 